Good morning. Hope you all having a good day, good week, uh, ready for what we're going to go through this morning. If you have your Bibles with you, you can make your way to the book of Joshua in the Old Testament. Joshua chapter 1, uh, we've been kind of setting up the book of Joshua by looking at the way God has been preparing Joshua and the Israelites is about journeying into the promise, which is what God has called us to do as well. And so we've been kind of focusing on different aspects. I, I, I promise we're going to speed up a little bit once we get out of this opening narrative uh, here in the opening chapter of Joshua. We're going to be really uh, looking at one particular verse this morning, and that is verse 8 of uh, chapter 1 in Joshua. Uh, but as we begin this morning, uh, for the last couple months, uh, my wife and I, Jamie, uh, we've been uh, coaching basketball for the uh, Stratford Little League uh, basketball team. And so uh, we were asked if we would do it, and we volunteered under one condition that we would get to coach our daughter's team. Uh, we, we wanted to be there when she had to be there, and that kind of just the, the time management thing. And so uh, we, ha- we got our daughter as, lo- as well as uh, kindergarten through third grade, first grade through third grade? Yeah, um, first grade through third grade. And so the last several months, we've been meeting every Monday night for about an hour and and going through practice and playing games on Saturday mornings. And uh, I'll admit, Jamie was the head coach. Um, I I was the assistant. Um, I was signed on as kind of like she is a Moses-Aaron relationship. Um, she She has the basketball knowledge um, and I have the megaphone of a voice to uh, let it go. Um, she also told me if we had any unruly parents, I was to be the one to handle that situation. So uh, we didn't. We had we were good in that aspect. But um, so for the last few weeks, we or months, we've been doing practice, and basically Jamie would just say, "Okay, this is what we're going to do." And then uh, times we would break up and she'd give me some of the kids and she would take some of the kids and we would practice like simple things, you know, like learning how to dribble the ball and pass the ball and how to actually shoot the ball and, and uh, to move and without the ball and get in certain positions and things like that. And, and uh, just going over that over and over because we had girls who had never played before and girls that have had some experience. And so it was just a, a very diverse group. Well, a couple weeks ago, uh, in one of our games, uh, we were just very excited coaches because as we watched the girls play, they were actually doing what we were trying to teach them at practice. It was just, I mean, almost tear-jerking moment. You're like, oh, they're, they're playing as a team. Uh, we didn't win, um, but it, it, it was, despite what the scoreboard said, it was just a very exciting moment for us to know that, you know, what we've been trying to show them in different aspects of basketball, they're actually getting, and they're actually applying and seeing how that works in a game. And uh, so it's been a fun experience, and and that's kind of what we're going to be dealing with this morning, (coughs) is there are things that that God is, is wanting to teach us, is teaching us, has taught us, and we can be the frustrating basketball players at times, is that God reiterates certain things over and over again in our life, and then when we actually get into the game of life, we don't apply it. And, and God just like, you know, he loves us. Don't, don't miss me around that. He loves us. But just kind of like, you know, I, I, I told you this is how this should work. And this is how you should go about doing this. And, and I've given you the roadmap to success. 
and how you enjoy doing this life that I've created you for. And so this morning what we're going to do is we're going to be looking at one verse and what God has come to Joshua and is preparing them to be prosperous, preparing them to have success, preparing them to uh, succeed in what God has put before them in the promise. We come into a portion of Scripture here in the Old Testament where the relationship is, is taking on a new dynamic. Up until this point in Joshua, there was a man by the name of Moses. Verse 1 tells us that Moses has died. He has passed on. That's a part of life. We all are going to face that reality. But God's promise goes on. Well, Moses has died, and up to this point for the last 40 years, Moses has been meeting with God one-on-one, face-to-face. He had his own tent outside the camp where he would get to go to and just converse with God and then come back to the people of God, the Israelites, and say, okay, this is what God says. This is what we should do, and and this is how we should go about doing this. Now that Moses is dead, that dynamic has changed a bit. As God has drawn Joshua and the Israelites' attention to the Word of God, the book of the law here in verse 8 that we're going to read in a second, that now this relationship, this this dynamic is the people of God here. This is the first generation of God's people that are now going to have to rely upon the written word of God to guide them in what God wanted them to do. And we can relate to that because that's where we are, is that we are a people of God that are relying upon the written word of God that is breathed out from his mouth to guide us to where God wants us to be and what God wants us to do. And so this requires us, one, to have faith. We have to have faith that what is in this book that we call the Bible is the Word of God. We also have to have an act of obedience. We have to not only hear the Word of God, but we have to apply the Word of God. Jesus said that everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house upon the rock. The opposite is everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man and builds his house upon the sand. And so what we learn from the Word of God is is who we are as people. The Bible defines us in one or two ways. We are the wise or foolish. And our faithfulness and obedience to the Word of God is evidence to what type of person we are in this life. And that's evidence for everyone else to look upon, everyone else to, to see as we are people of God and the proof that we are, that we belong to God. James tells us in James chapter 1 that we are to be doers of the word and not hearers only because if we're only hearers, if we only come to Sunday, we only open the word of God on Sunday and we hear what is being spoken, hear what is being taught, but we don't apply it, we deceive ourselves. That's what the Bible says. We lie to ourselves. And if we're lying to ourselves and deceiving ourselves, then we're also lying to the world and deceiving the world. And so this moment we have right now is that what God does is he invites us into his presence and he's wanting to transform us and change us. So in this moment, this is a very powerful moment every time we gather in the name of the Lord. It's because God, if we will let him, God wants to make us into a different person than we were when we arrived here 10, 15 minutes ago. That's the power of the Word of God. It does not come back void. It is living and active. And once it gets into the innermost parts of who we are, but it requires us not just to hear it, but to do it, to apply it. 
Peter says the reason this is in 1 Peter chapter 2 is that we are to keep our conduct, which is to be directed by the word of God among the Gentiles. And that phrase Gentiles means the unbelievers or the people who belong to this world and not to God yet. We're to keep our conduct honorable so that when they speak against us as evildoers, they may see our good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. In other words, what God is doing here for us and what he's doing for Joshua is he's given them the word of God as he's given us the word of God so that we would not only hear the word of God, but we would apply the word of God so that the people of the world would see the way we live. And even though they may talk badly against us as Christians or believers, they would see the way we live as directed by God's word and give glory to God. That's what God wants for Joshua and the Israelites as they head into the promised land is yes, it is a promise given to them that they were going to take the land. But the ultimate goal is that the people who lived in the land would be driven out and then they would be able to look upon the Israelites and say, okay, their God is the one true God by the way they're living. And so God comes to Joshua in this moment as he just ready to push them out into the promised land. They get ready to go. Is he ready to start? And he says this in verse 8. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. You shall meditate on it day and night, so you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then, meaning when you do these things that that we just read, then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. What we see is God's desire for us is that we would have an outlook and an outcome of being strong and courageous while we live this life. That's God's desire for us. But here's the problem. We are incapable of producing that outlook and outcome on our own. We are incapable of being strong and courageous on our own. We can have big dreams, big goals, and big thoughts, but on our own, we cannot produce those things. It is only by the power and the word of God. And so God comes to Joshua and gives a repetitive command that you are to be strong and courageous. And it lets us know that even Joshua, though he was the leader of Israel, he was not a supernatural human being, but he was completely called to be reliant upon God. He was God's choice, but God was telling him, you are to be strong and courageous by remaining attached to me and my word. The Israelites were were not a super people. They were the people of the promise. And they were incapable of doing what God has called them to do in the journey ahead unless they remained attached to God. The victory and the task ahead was not contingent upon Joshua or the Israelites, but it was contingent upon the relationship with God and remaining dependent upon him. David Jackman writes that the capabilities of the people of God here in Joshua was not about them. Because Joshua is not a book about the capabilities of people, but rather it is a book about the living God who who rules all history for the accomplishment of his eternal purposes of grace and glory. So God comes to Joshua and says, this is how you're going to lead the people. This is how you're going to lead your life. And this is how you're going to accomplish what I need you to accomplish. Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. 
The book of the law here for Joshua is speaking about what Moses had received from God. It would be the bulk of what we call the, the book of Deuteronomy. Captivating book. I mean, if you want to read it, I mean, it's, it's like right there with Leviticus. I actually enjoy Deuteronomy. I, I consider it like a gospel of Moses because it's written from a first-person perspective. In Moses, there's a lot of I pronouns in Deuteronomy where he's writing about things that he's wrestling with and things he's discouraged about and aggravated about. But when this book of the law is mentioned, Joshua is going to be taken back to everything that Moses had received and had given to the people of Israel. He says, don't let this depart from your mouth. Don't let this escape you. See, our part in the promise is that we are not only receivers of the word of God, but we are to be relayers of the word of God. We relay the word of God by doing the word of God. We relay the word of God by proclaiming the word of God. In other words, this book of law, to not to depart from the mouth of the people of God, had to be seen not only or heard audibly, but also be seen visibly. And so the first step we have to do when it comes to being part of the promise is we have to talk about the word of God. But to understand what we talk about, I want a little interaction this morning. I know that's why we, we come to church is we want the pre preacher to put us on the spot. But I, I put a circle here. And what I want you to do is I want you to, to kind of call out typical things you talk about with people or conversations you have with people, like topics you normally have. For example, people like to talk about the weather, right? So, so you put the weather on there, okay? That is in the... The circle of conversation. What are some other things people typically are, are like to talk about? <clears throat> what? Kids. kids. How, uh, what? The job or yeah, but that's only like when you're not at church and politics. Politics. I don't know if we like to talk about it, but we just seem to put ourselves in those conversations? Sports. Sports. Food. Yeah, we, we talk about food. We post about food. Man, we frame food. And... Oh, can, I just, can I just put video games? <coughs> Specifically, Fortnite, a.k.a. Video games, but more importantly, Fortnite. I'll just underline Fortnite for you, so we got the point there. <coughs> what? Cars? They said like cards, like you're talking about the Christmas cards you're sending. No. Yeah, that Lightning McQueen. Not so much. What else? I heard someone else say something. About your family. Oh, ailments. Well, that could be family. Yeah, no. I don't know if I, that's ailments, right? School. <clears throat> what? Okay. That'll be a topic conversation re right now. Christmas and gifts and work. Plans. We do like to talk about vacation, where, when we're going, what, what we're going to do, and then we like to talk about what we did. And 
Movies, that's true. We like to talk about movies. I put TV slash movie. Yeah, yeah we're going to talk about this all day for the rest of the day. Yeah, and, and that'll go into our talking about the pastor, right, Kendrick? Yeah. Why do we talk about these things so easily? <clears throat> okay, awesome, important. Okay, common interests are relatable. You know, you get in an awkward situation. It's always even so, how about this weather? (laughs) Right? I mean, we do that, right? Weathermen can't do anything right. We're supposed to to be home right now in bed with snow on the ground. I mean, that was, right? I mean, it's what we know. Easy to form an opinion or to enter into a debate. If, I mean, if you're going to the realm of politics, right, it's one of those things that, you know, if you just really, I just feel like getting in a fight with someone this morning. So, you know. <laughs> things we're passionate about. I would agree. Yeah. It, it's, these are things, they're, they're relatable, they're easy to talk about. We, you can talk about these things with almost anybody at any time. Um, it's, it's things that we are involved in. You know, that's why the weather is so easy to go to eventually. It, we're just, we're all involved and impacted by the weather in some way. So it's like, whoa, well, you know, how glad it's raining today. I don't think we say that. But, you know, we, we can go to these things so easily. We get excited about these things. But will any of these things lead people are we into these things save people? How, let's make sure I ask that right. Well, some could kill you. About okay, will any of these things eternally save people? If I played Fortnite for forty hours a day, and yeah, exactly. That's what what God is coming here to Joshua. He says, "Do not let." Verse 8, this book of law shall not depart from your mouth. And and it's a double negative, which doesn't work in the English language because we don't do double negatives, but it works in the Hebrew because Hebrew is what it's originally written in. What it means is God is coming to Joshua and says, look, do not not talk about this. That's what he's telling Joshua. In everything you talk about, this should be in the conversation, the book of the law. What is the book of law? The book of law pointed to who God was. It revealed who God was. It pointed to what God wanted for his people and wanted of his people. It revealed the plans of God, the promises of God. And so what God says to Joshua and the Israelites, to his people, says, do not, not talk about this. In the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 6, verse 7, the Bible says, You shall teach them, he's speaking of the law of God, you shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. It's what's called part of the Shema. And what God is saying is, your conversation should be about what I revealed to you and who I am. That's what you should be talking about. Now, these things can play a role in that. 
But I think we go more to these because we're more comfortable with them. We're more associated with them. We get more excited about these things, if we're honest. We get more excited about these things than about the things God has revealed. Maybe that's just my confession. And so what we need to do is we take these things that we talk about, we're comfortable with, we can talk about it with anybody at a gas station, at the grocery store, whatever. We can get into this conversation. And we are to immerse these things with God. <coughs> he should surround our conversation. All of our conversation should point back to Him. So how do we do it? Because this is what God wants Joshua to do. Is he's heading into the promised land. Don't let, this, don't let your conversation not be about me. Don't let the people you interact not know that you know me. Don't let the people you converse with not hear of how great I am and what I've done for you. So how do we move these conversations that we're so open to talking about into a conversation with God. Because I believe every conversation you have with every individual, there is a window or a door that leads to God. And so while these things can eternally save people, these things can point to an eternal salvation for people. So the weather. What does the Bible say about the weather? Okay, God's in control of the weather. Okay, he'll never send another flood. How about this rain? Well, I'm glad it's not like that one. Yeah, that was pretty bad. You hear about that one? Yeah, everybody died. <laughs> Except for the ones that stay in that boat that's in North Carolina, right? Yeah. How about Psalm 19.1? Heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim his handiwork or the work of his hand. So any conversation you get in about the weather, which it seems about almost every conversation we have, how about that weather? I know, it's crazy. But I don't know the one who controls it. And as crazy as this weather is, as crazy as my life is, he knows me, he knows everything that's going on. And it's for a reason. Our kids. How do we move conversations? Because we'll talk about kids and sports. I mean, I, I started with a story about our kids and sports. So how do we move that conversation into, hey, my kids are involved in doing this right now. They're doing awesome. And What's that? Yeah, well, okay, we're God's children. You know, I, I'm a child too. I'm a child of God. You know, my kids, you know, they're in sports right now, and, and they're, they, they win a lot. It's really cool. But, you know, the ultimate victory has been won. Because every sport you play and every game you play, you know what's going to happen? There's going to be another game. I mean, even when the season's over, you know what's going to happen? There's going to be another season. But we celebrate national championships. We celebrate Super Bowls and World Series and NBA championships. And the reality is there's always another. We know the one who won it completely forever. Done deal. You know, politics, I mean, come on. I mean, that's just like an open door of Jesus right there, right? Look at some of the issues they're talking about in politics. These are not political or social issues. These are God issues. 
our, our point and what God is trying to get to Joshua and what he's calling him to is that to have the conversations we have, but to make sure that God is glorified in that conversation. And so when he says that this book shall not depart from your mouth, what Joshua is being called to do is to call, being called into this world of community. And that's what we're to have here, this world of community that we are talking about God with one another. And I understand we talk about other things. I understand we talk about sports. I understand we talk about kids and vacation. And I've, I haven't had a fortnight conversation yet, so I'm feeling kind of left out, Elliot. But, I mean, we could go there. I, I'll just smile and nod. Smile, nod. Uh, but anyway, we talk about these things, and that is fine. I talk about those things. But in this place, we should feel free to talk about what God is doing so we don't have to go to these topics that are relatable to people who don't know God. So when we come to church, what we should do, we should be engaging in conversation with our brothers and sisters in Christ on what God is doing or the prayers we need God to be interceding in or, or how God has spoken to us this week through his word. That should be the basis of our conversation. And if we drop things about the weather and our kids and politics and all that, that's fine. But the point is we're talking about God and bringing God the glory because here's the thing that I'm finding out. If we're not talking about God with one another at God's church in his body, then it's probably going to be pretty clear and true. We're not going to talk about the things that God is doing with people who don't know God. And if we can't get excited about God as God's people and what God is doing personally in our life, then we're probably not going to be excited to go out in the world and share what God is personally doing in our life. And so you can consider this place kind of your practice arena where you get to come in here and you can goof up in the conversation about God because we all know we're saved by grace. You, you can stumble through and how to get to that point. But what I want to challenge us all to do is to make sure that, yeah, we can talk about these things, but make sure we're talking about the God who's personally involved in our life and what he is doing in our life from Monday to Saturday. Because when we do it here and we get excited about it here, it's going to be hard to harness that excitement when we go out into the world that needs to hear it. So do not let the word of God depart from your mouth. The first thing we've got to do is we've got to talk about it. Then he says, you are to meditate on it. You shall meditate on it day and night. Now, I don't know what comes to your mind when you think of meditation, but I tend to think of like a Jedi, become a Star Wars geek, or some sort of Eastern religion guy with a bald head and a really good goatee, kind of like Jason right now, you know, you're working it in a robe, sitting crisscross applesauce. Exactly. Home. I mean, that's kind of what comes to my mind and when it comes to meditation. But that's not what the word meditate means. Uh, the, the word has this implication of this low growl, which is where that idea comes from, that humming. But what it means is, is to have this inner groaning over the things of God. And so I talk about it. That's the first thing I'm supposed to be doing. 
But then I'm supposed to immerse myself in it. I'm to be immersed in all that God is. And that begins by coming back to the book of the law, coming back to the word of God. I'm to be immersed in this. Now, if you've got kids and they're at school and then they come home and eat, you probably can relate to our dinner table on, on most weeknights. As we sit down, we get the meal on there, we get the plates all ready, everybody's sitting in their particular spot. And as we say our amens, the forks are picked up or spoons or whatever, and this is what we hear. And it's like just a shoveling of trough into the mouth, and we have to tell our kids, breathe. <laughs> Chew your food. Slow down. I feel sorry for students. I, you know, when I go and eat lunch with Jamie at school, you know, it always feels like we're rushed to get the food in because you got a certain amount of time to get in. So we've trained our kids and we've trained ourselves. We've got a lunch period or a lunch break at work. And so we've got to get everything in in that moment of time. So we've got to rush it and rush it and rush it. And the thing is, we can do that with the word of God. We can rush it and we can just read through. We have reading plans, which are great things. They get you into the word of God, but we can read through it to get things done. When the Bible tells us over and over again, we are to stop. We are to be still. We are to meditate. We are to immerse ourselves in that. And so we are to take a verse, take a passage, take a story. Read it. Think over it. Read it out loud. Have someone else read it to you or listen to it on your iPod or through the radio station or whatever. But to hear the story, hear the verse over and over and over again that I am immersed in it, that I can ponder on it, I can think on it, I can allow it to get into the depths of my soul so the Holy Spirit can actually unlock the beautiful truth of that passage. And then you know when it happens when we allow that to happen? We come here on Sunday morning and we share with people what God has been telling us this week through his word. We go out to the gas station and the grocery store and to the market and we can't not not talk about it because it's become so real because we're not only in the word of God but we're allowing the word of God to cover us and to actually ponder, to meditate on it, to think on what God is wanting to say through his word. There's two words for meditate in scripture. One is to utter in a low sound. It means to, the, to allow the word of God to resonate deep within. The other word for meditate means to occupy yourself with. To go over it over and over and over again. And I think this is why we struggle with the third part that God told Joshua to do. Is sometimes we talk about the Word of God. Sometimes we think about the Word of God. But if we look here in verse 8, what God lays out in this roadmap is you are to talk about it all the time. You are to think about it all the time. Why? So that you may be careful to do according to all that is written. So if I'm talking about it all the time, and I'm thinking about it all the time, the Bible gives this roadmap that when I do those things, you know what I'm going to be doing? I'm going to be applying it. I think that's where we struggle with the Word of God is that we're not talking about it as much as we should. We're not thinking about it as much as we should. So no wonder we're all struggling to apply it the way we should. And it's right here. 
And you notice what God, why God wants them doing? Because it's not because God wants to fill their time up with other stuff. God gives them, if you do these things, listen, then, then you will make your way prosperous. If you, if you talk about this, if you think about this, if you begin applying this, then you'll make your way prosperous and then you'll have good success. The word prosperous there means that you will succeed at life. Who doesn't want that? The word success means you will have a wise outlook and action in life. So God comes to Joshua and he comes to us in this moment. He says, look, I want you to succeed. I want you to be prosperous, but here's the thing. It is contingent that you remain dependent upon my word and my presence. <coughs> Dependency. And that's the real spiritual battle that we got to wrestle with right now. Because we've been brought up, particularly here in America, we bring our children up to be what? Independent. Man, I joke with my kids, you know, Ethan, as soon as you move out, man, I got a nice little man cave. You know, we're going to have a weight room and everything. You know, I joke with him about it. I, I, we love you. We don't, you know, we will kick you out eventually, but not today. So. <laughs> but we train our kids to be independent, right? And, and that's a good thing. We want them to be able to be reliant upon things that we're teaching them. That's biblical. That's a biblical thing. But independence in the realm of Christianity is idolatry. Because what independence is, independence is this belief that I have a freedom from being ruled over. It is a belief of living my life how I deem fit without any influence of any kind. That's independence. I'm in charge of me. No one can tell me different. No book can tell me different. But what God is calling Joshua to do and what he's calling us to do in this moment is not independence, but dependence upon him. And dependence is a constant state of reliance and being controlled and influenced by, so by something. Where we are, and, and we hear God giving us this roadmap, and what God promises if we follow this roadmap, where we are in this moment is we are battling with this idea that I believe I am independent, so why in the world would I want to give up my independence and become completely dependent upon God? And it's a lie. Because there's nothing in our life we are independent from. You are dependent, I am dependent upon the creation that God created to give me food, give me water, and to give me the very breath of my lungs so I can live. I didn't create that. And if I pretend that I'm independent from that, guess what will happen? I'll die. I'm completely dependent upon that. And God gave that to me. As adults, we may feel we're independent, but we are dependent upon our job or our employer to continually provide a check. 
And if you don't think you are, try not working for a period of time. And you'll realize how dependent you are upon a source of income coming into the house. And so what God tells Joshua here, he says, you are to do according to all of my law, all of my word. You're to talk about it. You're not to churn from it from the right hand land, right hand or the left. You are not to let it depart from your mouth. You are to meditate on it. You are to do according to all that is written into it. And when you do, I will make you prosperous and successful. I will make you succeed in this life that you're living, and I will let you be able to see this life the way it should be seen. And so we trade in our idea of independence and our dependence upon the world, and we trade that in. I am dependent upon you alone. You are all I have. If I go anywhere without this word guiding me, I'm sure to fail. No matter where you are in life, young, old, no matter what you find yourself doing, this is true for all aspects of life. This is a universal truth. If I go anywhere outside of this word, I will fail. I will find myself with moments of regret, moments of pain, moments of sorrow. But if I cling to this word, I'm reading it, I'm talking about it, I'm listening to it, I'm doing it, I'm thinking about it. God promises us success. That's a huge promise. Paul understood this. In Paul's letter to Philippians, in Philippians chapter 3, Paul was led by the Spirit to write this, Whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. And here's Paul. He had what was believed to be the epitome of his world at his fingertips. He was about to become one of the top-notch guys in all of the Jewish world. And after he's been with Christ, and after he's walked with Christ, after he's immersed himself in Christ, after he's talked about Christ, he says, I've counted it all as loss for the sake of Christ. And I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. And to this conclusion, he writes, I count them all, all these things of the world, all these things that we can get more excited about than the main thing. I count them all as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. And the context of Paul's statement is a contentment. And Paul's contentment in his life is because his dependence was not upon the world, but upon the living word. That's where he was dependent. My question for us this morning is how dependent are we on the Word of God? Are we talking about it? Are we thinking about it outside of Sunday? Are we thinking about it throughout our week? Are we, are we meditating on it? Are we applying it? 
Be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Where are we this morning? You may be here this morning, and you came to check out this whole church and Christianity thing, and you're like, oh, man, he's talking about giving up my freedom? He's talking about giving up my independence? Here's the thing. There's not a person in this room, there's not a person on this planet that is free unless they're found in Jesus Christ. The Bible says all of us, all of us have sinned. Preachers, well, all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All of us fail at some aspect or aspects of this word. Matter of fact, the Bible says that the law reveals sin. And without the law, I wouldn't have known what sin was. I wouldn't have known I shouldn't be cheating or lying or coveting. But now that I do, I know I'm a sinner. And that sin is separating me from a God who loves me and God who wants me to be prosperous, a God who wants me to succeed in this life he's created. But the wage of sin, the cost of that sin is death. The Bible goes on to say that even though there's death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And Jesus said very clearly, it's not about what we can bring to the table or what we think we can do. This isn't why God was calling Joshua to do these things. It wasn't so he could prove his righteousness. There's no one that can come to the Father except through Jesus Christ. So God comes to us this morning and asks us to lay down our sin, to lay down our self-righteousness, to pick up our cross and follow after Jesus to die to ourselves. The Bible says, when I believe in my heart that God sent His Son, Jesus, and that Jesus died on the cross, they placed Him in a tomb, but on the third day He rose. And I believe that in my heart. And if I would confess that with my mouth, I would let it be known. The Bible gives this promise. You will be saved. You may be here this morning, and that's exactly what you need. You run into all these other things but you need salvation. I'm going to be down here this morning. I'm going to ask Jackson to come up and lead us. If that's you, just come on down and say, Pastor Mike, I want Jesus. I want to be saved. Maybe you're here and you've already accepted Christ. Maybe you need to follow Him in baptism and that's something you've yet to do. Maybe you're here and you realize that you have not been dependent upon God the way you should be. And you've heard God give His eternal promise to you in this moment. That if you would just invest Man, it's awesome. Maybe you need to come kneel before the Father and apologize. I don't know, but now's the time to respond. I'm going to invite you in this moment, not just to be hearers of God's Word, but doers of it. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for your Word. Thank you for the power of your Word and your Spirit. Thank you, Lord, that you don't just tell us to do something, but Lord, you give us exact plans on how to do it and what we can expect if we would do it. That's how much you love us. You've set everything in our favor, everything that so we can be successful in this life that you've given us. Lord, forgive me for those times I have not talked about your word and talked about you the way I should. Forgive me for those times I have not immersed myself in your word. Forgive me for those times where I've not done what you've told me to do. But I thank you for your I pray for my brothers and sisters in Christ, for those who've come to reality, they are in the same place that I've been. 
In this moment, we become a kneel before you as our gracious Heavenly Father who is faithful and repent from those things. Pray for the individuals here this morning who do not know you as their Lord and Savior. Father, I'm completely relying upon your Spirit to give that revelation to them in this moment that they come to understanding that they are not saved, that they are lost and still in their sin. They are separated from you. You've brought them to this moment to change that relationship. Father, I pray that in this moment that you would give them strength and courage to step out and let it be known they want to be saved. They want Jesus in their life. thank you for Harvest Hill. I thank you for what you're doing here. I thank you for your promises you've already placed upon your body here. Let us give you glory in this moment. Praise all in the name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior.